This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? It's hot outside. It's hot outside. It's hot outside. (laughs) Porn bloopers, huh? (laughs) We're just going to start the show. Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Can we let him talk, Henry Zabrowski? Yes, of course you can let me talk. This is his free speech zone. That's how I announce my free speech zone is I bring an air horn with me and I just blast it until people leave me alone within a half square mile. Oh, I see. Free speech zone means you can't let anybody else you don't want to hear anybody else absolutely i have to keep it at a decibel level at which i cannot hear lies yeah i will say the worst place to tell your girlfriend that you love her for the first time is a rap concert because they're always blowing that damn blowhorn i love you what's that honey i love you all right well uh speaking of the complete absence of love we're on to the hillside stranglers part two my god it gets uh gruesome yes at the beginning of one of these heavy hitters i like to really sit and think about like why do these serial killers actually become serial killers there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like there's a core reason for a lot of people like ted bundy was a monster right he he hated seeing like nice things he also was a bit of a latent republican i'm gonna look at mr kissel over there but i would say he so he fueled a lot of hatred and stuff right john wayne gacy was was hated gays his father made him hate homosexuals but john wayne gacy himself was so gay he wanted a semen color like fucking scented candle he he wanted to just have a semen covered rag and put it up his nose while he was at work all day and if you do want to know what a semen scented candle smells like just go into any 13 year old boy's bedroom that's pretty much exactly what it'll smell like john wayne gacy was so gay he wanted he was like he wanted to dress as a jamaican maid kind of gay. You know what I mean? With like, no, I don't know. I have like, no idea what you mean. Up that shirt. is not even a stereotype. Out of all the stereotypes gays have had to overcome, you just put Jamaican maid dressers in there. Oh, got to tie them up. I got the titty sweat on my belly. <laughs> and so he's, he's like, he was okay. fighting that, right? Mm. Where did these guys come from? Like, uh, except for this, I think this is one of the first cases truly where you could see somebody like Bono literally had like serial killer trading cards where he was really guy grew up with knowing that he wanted to literally be a rapist when he grew up and Bianchi I think at some point made the active decision of being like huh I think I could be a pretty good serial killer well without uh, Bianchi Bono couldn't kill and without Bono Bianchi couldn't 
get away with it. Yeah. yeah. So you think that's what it is? You think that Bono had the street smarts that allowed the the thing to go for it? I guess we find that later on when he when uh, Bianchi makes his move to Seattle, like Fraser Crane. Yeah, that's <laughs> does right. after Cheers. Yeah, when Bianchi got the big radio deal. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Like these two guys, like they. On, but on their own, I don't think would have killed. Uh, I think that when uh, Bono got together with Bianchi, Bianchi finally had somebody to push him into it. I don't think Bianchi had it in him because we knew, what you see with a lot of serial killers is they have something that pushes them into it. For example, John Wayne Gacy, when he accidentally murdered that boy who was just trying to make him breakfast. He kind of wanted to murder the boy a little bit. Though. He kind of wanted yeah. to murder the boy a little bit because they had that in him. But he got pushed into it by himself, but he still got pushed into it. And then once he did it, he found he liked it and it escalated from there. I think that this is a rare case in which you have an actual human being pushing that serial killer to murder. And then once they murder, they find they love it and they want to do it more. Well, you look what Clay Thompson... And Steph Curry are doing right, right now with the right. Golden State <laughs> right. Warriors, the way they make themselves rise above. Yeah. <laughs> also, you got to almost, I'm not going to say be jealous of, but be aware of the true openness of their relationship that they could tell each other's their innermost fantasies. <laughs> yeah, but that don't... most straight couples, most any any romantic yeah. couple has a hard time expressing what it is they really want to each other. But these guys just come out and say it. Isn't that nice? What confidence without a safety net. Love <laughs> should be lived in a life without a safety net. That's a net. good point. Well, what it was is that it was a definite escalation. I don't think they ever actually were sitting there one day as like, why don't we start killing some broads? I don't think it got to that. It started with them pimping. Uh, They started pimping, and they started treating women how they pretty much always thought that they should be treated. They, of course, had that control over them. Uh, And then once uh, the trick list was sold to them, they finally had an excuse. That anger had been building up in them for so long. Because that's the thing about Bianchi and Bono. They were power control killers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it started off with controlling these women as pimps. And then finally, once they had an excuse to actually murder a woman, they, of course, like they said, okay, she sold us this trick list. Let's kill the bitch. Now we can. It's a list of people who are the tricks. No, 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 no. We we covered it last episode. The trick list. What it was is that, remember, it was supposed to be a list of people uh, that wanted call girls to come to them, but in reality, it was a list of people that liked to eat out. Yeah, I remember that. saying. They're people. And yes. also it said stuff like walk the dog around the world, <laughs> jump right. rope. Yeah, the, the scatterbrain mammogram. Have you seen that yo-yo trick? No. It is dangerous to do yeah. if your breasts are not covered with a sort of Kevlar. Yes, that's good. <laughs> but that's what that was. So they finally had that excuse to kill. And then once they killed, uh, they didn't need the excuse anymore. Because uh, these guys, like I said, they were power control killers. They're highly organized and all of their pleasure comes from the capturing, torture and eventual murder of their victims. And control is a huge part of these guys' process and as the control begins with the victims, it begins before they even know that they're in danger. Uh, Save for two victims, the stranglers, their whole thing is they like to trick people. Uh, They like to trick these women, they like to demonstrate their mental superiority first and then they demonstrate their physical superiority over them. 
also ease of, of, of the crime, right? It's a part of tricking them is getting them into the car without incident. It's without having a struggle because a struggle out on the street is where you're going to get a bunch of people watching two men dragging a woman into a car like that's going to freak up. That's going to freak out the whole neighborhood. Yes. But also in the way they killed them that we'll go into too, that it exhibits their need for control. It's very similar to yes. BTK. Mm-hmm. Somehow together, it's like because Bianchi is kind of like a Bundy and Bono is kind of like kind of like a Carl Pan's Ram. He was just like a general, like, if the world had a throat, I want to put my hands around it kind of guy. And together, they make like a BTK meets Jordan meets the other guy, Are you giving Scotty me an Pippen. El- yeah, you're giving me the elevator pitch for your new screenplay? <laughs> yes. Is that the deal? Okay. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think these guys do t- come together to make a BTK. Uh, just without all the weird fetish stuff that BTK was super into. He they didn't just- do as many... They didn't do as many selfies as BTK did. BTK liked art. (laughs) (laughs) Disgusting. So from the very beginning, the LAPD knew that they were dealing with two perpetrators. The first victim, Yolanda Washington, had marks on her arms and legs that indicated that two men had moved her from the crime scene itself to a second location. Furthermore, two different types of semen were found, with one type belonging to a man known as a non-secretor. Yeah, that's why I kept seeing the term non-secretor. What does it mean? A non-secretor means that they can't tell the blood type of the perpetrator just from the man's semen alone, just from his bodily fluids. Usually <laughs> you can uh, test semen like, all right, this guy's type A, type B, but with a non-secretor, they are still virile, but it just means that they can't test the uh, semen to see what the person's blood type is. But mm-hmm. the thing is about that is that very few people in the population are actually non-secretors, so it, you know brings down the pool. So they're like bit. the X-Men. <laughs> kind of. But it's also like the, with the I thought it was so you test their blood type by like touching the electrical current to the blood like in the thing. <laughs> I don't it think pops that's, out as a monster. That could work. So as Yolanda Washington was a black prostitute, by far the least dead type of person in America as far as the media is concerned, her death went largely unnoticed by Los Angeles at large. She pretty much merited the same amount of news coverage as, you know, a robbery in the police blotter. Just a couple mm-hmm. of lines, no one gave a shit. That's oh, when the mayor t- farts at a restaurant. <laughs> that, that's big news. That's actually huge news. But a black prostitute, nah, they right. don't really cover that. Yeah. Now, it was only the nature of the murder that got police interested, specifically Detective Frank Salerno, who almost 10 years later would also work the Richard Ramirez case, which is very interesting. He would also be one of the key figures Mm. in the Hillside Strangler investigation. Probably one of the best slash worst men to get drunk at a bar with. No, I was just going (laughs) to say the best, without a doubt. Every time you speak to someone who is in law enforcement, you really want to get those gritty, disgusting stories. The majority of the stories are just like, uh, yeah, it turns I was actually just a traffic cop. Yeah. You know, they're just like really boring. But this guy, my God, two serial killers in one detective career. He, had a he col- is a superstar. He yeah. had a collection of books, and uh, he just yeah. so happened to be used one of a feet as a bookmarks in one of his books. One, one time the sergeant bet me $10. I couldn't have 20 donuts in 10 minutes, and I did. <laughs> Good story, man. Good Thanks. Story. Now, if you'll remember from the end of the last episode, Kim Bianchi, soon after moving out of Angelo's place, shacked up with a woman named Kelly Boyd, and not surprisingly, things were not going well. It seemed like he'd be a responsive boyfriend, lover, and husband, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was gentle, he was loving, but he was extremely immature. He was essentially 
a child, takes no responsibility mm-hmm. for anything. Nothing is ever her fault. And, and nothing is ever his fault. And while a lot of the complaints were small things, like he'd never fill up the gas tank in the car, or he'd forget to turn off the lights when he left the house, her biggest concern was the fact that Ken would call out sick to work mm-hmm. all the time to go, quote-unquote, play cards with Angelo over at his upholstery shop. Oh, but playing cards is actually code for going out and murdering a bunch of women. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he always said. And she always said, no, I don't want to go play. He's like, why don't you come and play cards, huh? Why don't you come on out? And she said, she's like, no, Angelo Bono, I hate that guy because she could, of course, feel his intense hatred for all women. I mean, I think that's a really wonderful technique, though, for boyfriends to use when they know they want to do something their girlfriend hates just in Invite her because you know she's going to say no. And then when you're walking out the door, you'd be like, "Don't pretend like I didn't invite you." Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a really, it's a great trick. Also, I found yeah. out that Angela Bono has a, a very bad lisp. He had a very bad speech oh. impediment. So I imagine when before, I like when she first meets Bono, and he's just like, hey, "Look at me! Don't hey, look! You see the finger right here? This finger right here? It's for pointing out dudes to fuck with me. Do you see this middle finger right here? This middle finger right here? It's for pointing out uteruses that fuck with me. It's my fingering finger." I don't. I don't know what it is with people that have speech impediments, but they turn out to be dangerous so many times. They just have or, a they got a they have a inferiority complex. Well, they have something to overcome, and most of the time, especially with speech impediments, in order in order, in order to overcome it, you have to talk a bunch. So then they become politicians, or they become some just crazed lunatic. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, <laughs> just I like love that. Him. And I've heard he's. Killed two girls. Isn't that something? <laughs> James Earl Jones killed two girls before the age of 20, and then the government covered it up because they knew how melodious his voice would become. Unverified. His, his speech pathologist. They were a part of it. Okay. The conspiracy. We cannot confirm. We cannot confirm that James Earl Jones killed two girls. We cannot confirm it. We cannot confirm it. <laughs> so when Kelly became pregnant in the summer of 1977, things got even worse. Around the time of Yolanda Washington's murder, Ken and Kelly went to go see Pete's Dragon, the 1977 Don Bluth classic. Of course. And Ken, in the words of author Ted Schwartz, quote, delighted in the animated fantasy and had been anxious to see it. Is it a classic? Yeah, oh, yeah. Pete's Dragon, yeah, yeah, Don Bluth, he's great. Right. You ever seen it? Yeah. No, I've seen it, yeah. Just... It's good. It's okay, good. I didn't it was, know it was a, a classic. It was a, just, yeah, it's a part got... of the late 70s, like, orphan girl movie series. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Yeah, it's got red buttons in it. Yeah, I love Everybody red Everybody loves red yeah, buttons. Back when you didn't have to have a real name when you joined Hollywood, you just you just said the first thing that you saw. Well, technically, his first name was, uh, his original name was Sheedolf Hitler. Oh, I see. Had to change it. Bad for entertainment. Yeah, then he went with Golden Eagle, and then he changed it to Red Button. So about halfway through the movie, Kelly, in the middle of a very difficult pregnancy, left the theater to go be sick, Ugh. but Ken unwavering in his fandom, wait, made her wait in the car as he saw the Don Bluth classic to the end. Now, like a fight on a street corner, you can only see it once. There wasn't Netflix. There wasn't even DVDs back then. If you're if you're in the movie theater, you walk out, you're not seeing that again for a year. Whether it's Peach Dragon or you're killing a girl in the street, the 70s were a wonderful time to be alive. Bad time to be pregnant. So Kelly moved in and out of Bianchi's life many times and during the next few months, but Ken like many other serial killers, for reasons unknown, had a penchant for poetry. 
mm. and was always able to woo her back. You know why? It's because, again, very similar to BK, BTK. Very interesting that that is a, a, a tidbit in there. And he is a, a pussy, a weirdo piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. I wrote poetry a lot when I was younger. Yeah, me too. And I've written poetry. You know, I've had moments of softness. It's like I felt love in my heart. I yeah. felt, you know, like I've seen a beautiful, but, like, crimson sunset and a thought. Does Is my life not the same as that sunset? Beautiful yet too short to be captured. Do you recall any of the poems that you wrote or the uh, subject matter? Oh, God. I did write a poem about Holden's parents' house that we were staying in in college where I smoked a bunch of weed and I went up there and I fucking wrote this poem about the rich man's house, right? And then I showed it to Holden. He's just like, that's my fucking house. You're just like, I'm the bad rich man. I'm the bad rich boy. <laughs> Holden McNeely from the Round Table of Gentlemen. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay? Because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. 
So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, Make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen, in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So Ken's marriage, not going all that great. But at the same time, his and Bono's murder spree was just beginning. On Halloween night, 1977, the pair picked up 15-year-old Judy Miller on Hollywood Boulevard in the area well-known for prostitution. Still is. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's disgusting over there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, in a gimmick they would use again and again, Bono and Bianchi told Judy Miller that she was under arrest. They handcuffed her. They shoved her into the backseat of their car and drove her to Bono's upholstery shop where they raped and murdered her. Cops found her the next day lying naked in a flower bed in La Crescenta. And while the LAPD had been hoping that the Washington murder was an isolated incident, the manner in which Judy was killed, along with the presence of non-secretor semen, along with normal semen, told them that the murders were linked. Oh, I can't believe we got this Cyclops semen again. <laughs> God damn it, what are we going to do? Better call Xavier's school for exemplary children. They got a rapist in there. Not good. Yeah, if the X-Men start doing those things, we'll Ooh. never be there. <laughs> one week before this murder, Ken and Kelly, they were actually in one of their good periods. They had attended a costume party at Circus Maximus, a gay bar where straight couples in the 70s went to get a little weird. Mm-hmm. The couple drank and danced the night away, wearing matching costumes and enjoying the quote-unquote floor show, although I was not able to get any confirmation on what that floor show actually was. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Sean Medazel. He's dressed as Donald Duck and he's trying to suck his own dick. <laughs> oh, the hardest part is getting past the beak. 
<laughs> now, despite the good times, the killings continued six days after Judy Miller's death when the naked body of Lisa Caston was found by a jogger near a country club in Glendale. And even though it was outside of the jurisdiction of the first two murders, Detective Frank Salerno insisted on coming to the crime scene to check it out. Frank, I just wish once you'd stay for one dinner. Just, just <laughs> please just stay. As we got the dinner and then when they got the ballet recital, do you have to go to every murder in Los Angeles? <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. They so- need me. Yeah. <laughs> he just got a fucking like police siren hat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a car. You're I got drunk police. To drive, Frank. That's <laughs> uh, great. Uh, but I'm not too drunk to run. <laughs> <laughs> no, when the ligature marks around the neck and the handcuff wounds around the ankles and wrists were found, Salerno knew that he had a serial killer on his hands. But unlike a lot of other serial cases, the LAPD, they really did try their best on this one. Yeah. Like, Bono had been extremely careful in scrubbing all the bodies clean of any evidence that could lead the cops back to him. The only thing the cops had, really, was the semen, which, in 1977, didn't amount to a whole lot. There was no real DNA. Uh, You could say, like, okay, this semen ha- is like type A. Right. Our uh, perpetrator, our suspect has blood type A, but it's inconclusive. It's not going to hold up in court. And the other thing that they had was a small piece of cotton from a cloth that was used on one of the victims. And they had one sergeant who had an amazing uh, sense of taste buds, and he could lick semen. Oh. And he would, and he could tell exactly what time it got there. And they fought him and fought him and fought him. Yeah. He was a detective. He could lick any, any substance. He could lick yeah. a thing of soda and definitely tell you it wasn't semen. He could lick a pile of honey and tell you, oh, that's not semen. Not semen. Mm. You also, not he semen. was also a lot of times, he, he did floor shows. Oh, isn't that right? Yeah, he oh. said he had this pension for dressing as Disney characters and doing fun floor shows. Sucking his own Mm, that's semen. That is semen. I made it myself. Uh, I believe that this is also the victim that was found uh, that the, a neighbor had to cover with a tarp mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. it was in the middle, of, right next to a playground where a bunch of kids are running around, and they just went like, um, uh, sorry, I, be, uh, I hope you go to heaven. I'm going to just put the tarp over Yeah, just treat it like a canoe. <laughs> Throw a tarp over it when you're not using it. Now, the best that the cops could do was plot out a map of each of the murder sites, draw circles around each site, and ascertain a specific area that they believed the killers were picking up victims and increasing the police presence in Sid era. And this is very interesting. When Bianchi and Bono were caught, cops found that Bono's house was almost exactly at the center. This is the detective work that kids fantasize about. Yes. Right? Yeah. This is, they're actually doing old school. I almost feel bad for detectives these days because they just get a bunch of samples, they just give it to the lab, and the lab returns the information they need. These guys were doing the old school uh, McConaughey stuff yeah. from uh, True Detective. Yeah, they had, they said that uh, when they eventually formed the task force, which task force had about 85 guys on it, uh, all they really had was like an old timey computer. The computer was what they really used to like get all these formulas for all the vectors. Uh, and what they had, they said that the walls of this office were 
covered in mm. diagrams. They were covered in maps. They were covered in different theories. It really was old school detective work. It's really cool. It's like a movie. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. is. It was very much like a movie. I would also like to see HGTV send somebody in there and just redo those walls. <laughs> and they're like, "What did you do? No, you don't like you don't like uh, lollipop purple." Months of police investigation. Yeah, but it was so depressing. Yeah, I just threw all that out. The maps, they're disgusting. You know what is interesting now with the with the room changed around with the feng shui in here. I feel much lighter. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, it's uh, but unfortunately. Even with all the increased police presence, it wouldn't be enough for the Stranglers would mm. strike again two more times before the murders would make headlines all over the world. And on November 20th, Bianchi and Bono made their most audacious move yet, abducting and killing 12-year-old Dolly Sapita and 14-year-old Sonia Johnson because the prostitutes weren't giving them the same thrill that they had experienced in the beginning. They needed to feel more power. They needed to feel mm -hmm. more control. They needed to up the ante. So they started killing what they call, quote-unquote, respectable girls. Well, I believe that was Bianchi's decision in order to, to change the type of women they were going after. But according to Bianchi, after the fact, when he was sort of really spilling his guts and t fucking telling every single thing that he knew, like 10 months after he was arrested, right. uh, he is very deeply ashamed of these two murders. They were really the only ones mm. that he wouldn't talk about. Uh, once, I, I think it might have been like a, a bridge too far. Yes, sure, because yeah. this is Bono's. I think sometimes Bono would take the driver's seat. And Bono was the real sadist yeah. of the two. I mean, Bianchi liked to kill uh, and would often be the dude that did the final killing. He would slowly strangle them. That's a part of where he was very similar to BTK. Mm. Um, but this is Bono's choice. Yeah, Bono, well, we because know. we already know, yeah, he liked little, he liked fucking young, young, young girls. Yeah, he liked yeah. preteens. He loved girls like this. So I think he was like, hey, let's try it out. You'll like it. I think it's because they were the only girls when they when it was consensual who thought he was good at sex. And that's it's also, you know, like whenever you're in an eighth grade dance, sometimes the girls get to choose a song. And uh, it's Bueno's <laughs> choice. Uh, Bueno's? How do you no, say his name? Bono. Bono. I like bu like Sonny, I Sonny Bono. I know, but I see it as Bueno. Bueno. Yeah, it's spelled Bueno. You just, it, you just got racist eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, and he's Italian. He's a, he's not uh, he's not Latin. All right, he's Bono. <laughs> but with these higher profile victims came more witnesses. One boy had seen the two girls talking to a couple of guys in a dark sedan and saw that they had gotten into the car willingly without any fuss whatsoever. What this meant was that the killers were almost certainly impersonating authority figures, a fact that cops had suspected but hadn't yet confirmed. Yeah, you just gonna want to come with me, little girl. Yeah, yeah. No, we're we're part of the uh, fashion police. Yeah, and you you dress like something from a uh, 1974. And actually, we gotta get you back in an outfit that's more similar to something like 1977. You know what I'm saying? All right, little girl, let's get in here. What kind of police? The fashion police. The, the what police? The fashion police. The what? The fashion police. Fashion? What's fashion? Fashion is a style of dress that goes on with many people dress in a specific way and then different uh, ways and it comes down and goes with happy. Fashion. Yeah, you get in the fashion. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. <laughs> now, this, coupled with the fact that the bodies were free of evidence, pointed to the possibility that it might have been a cop committing the murders. Now, we hear the theory of the cop as killer 
quite a bit. Even now, the ongoing Giglo Beach murders are suspected to be the work of a police officer because of the lack of evidence, the uh, placement of the bodies. But from what I could find, I did a tiny bit of research on this, only two American serial killers have been cops. They were both former cops, but most... Cop killers, most uh, cop serial killers are overseas. There are uh, mm. a lot of them in Europe. There's a lot of them in Russia, a lot in China. Really, that's, that's a, it's a very odd thing. Like here in America, what we have is serial killer wannabe cops. So, yes, absolutely. Mm. And, they, and they have a different view of, of what being a cop is. I think a co- once you're a cop, you realize the, the amount of work you have to already do, right? You're oh, filling out paperwork. It's, paperwork, it's yeah. long hours. It's all this stuff. It's um, To be a serial killer, you've got to be a real self-starter. And that means taking on a second full-time job <laughs> as a cop to then also be a serial killer. And the essential nature of most cops are, hey, 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 don't bother me. I'm Now that I don't, now that I'm no longer a cop, I want to sit in a lawn chair with my feet in a kiddie pool. I don't want to slam back Ooh. a couple of Miller lights, and I just want to annoy my son, who's constantly making this cartoon is now about voices. Your father. This is saying, about your father, so it does not count for all cops. But I do say you, American serial killer, it just takes a lot of work to be a serial killer, so they they are trying to be cops in their own way. Like, they right. think that they could be badass. Absolutely. Nothing worse than someone stu- too stupid to become a cop. Yeah, exactly. But he wants to be. Yeah, or too crazy. Yes. Uh, and uh, the, we see a lot of those guys that are just the cops. They just can't can't pass the psych test a lot of times because Kim Bianchi was not dumb. Uh, he was just lazy and he, immature. He had an IQ of about, I think it was about 116, which is above average. Definitely not a dullard. There's a documentary that covered that it puts one of the footage. It, it, there's a documentary that releases some of uh, the interview he he had for the Glendale Police Department, and one of the, the it's the reason why he didn't get it is because he sounds like a disingenuous piece of shit. Yeah. Is the the clip that they played was Bianchi going like, you know what? I just want to be a cop because I love working with people and. <laughs> Cops? What job gets to work with more people than cops? And it's like this fucking shitty Jeopardy answer. <laughs> like he's a guest on Jeopardy. Like yeah. fuck you. You're not gonna be a cop. Yeah, I would say McDonald's employees. They work with people all the time. Yeah, it really. That's a fast food answer yeah. uh, or a retail answer. You know what? I just love working with people. Uh, right. That's not why you become a cop. My biggest flaw is that I work too hard and my <laughs> part, my bar for excellence is too high. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as Kim Bianchi went, uh, wanting to be a cop, he was said to never miss an episode of Chips. Or strangely, <laughs> eight is enough. But sadly for him, ten was enough. Yeah. The number of people they killed. Yes, we got that. Very good. And speaking of what Ken did at home, things were quickly disintegrating between him and Kelly. So Ken, using skills he had gained in childhood, came up with a scheme to keep her around without having to do anything to actually better himself. Work smarter, not harder. That's right. <laughs> at the end of November, Kelly decided that she wanted a couple of kittens. Aww. Yeah, she was an animal lover, you know? But within a few days of bringing him home, Ken had developed a nasty cough and claimed that he had trouble breathing. And after a trip to the clinic to test for allergies, he returned with the bad news that during an x-ray, the doctors had discovered a mass on his lungs and he'd need to undergo a biopsy. (gasps) Oh my God, that's horrible. (laughs) I mean, sometimes cancer kills the bad ones, too. (laughs) Now, on the day of the biopsy, Ken came home late saying he was so distraught from the results that he had to go, quote unquote, 
play cards with Angelo to calm himself down. I wish you'd stop doing the air quotes when you said play cards, (laughs) Kenny, because it's really bothering me. What game could you possibly play with just one other man constantly? War? What Uh, what, What card game could they even be playing? That's true. There is no other friend doing. They toss cards at a hat like they're in <laughs> prison. Know. Okay. Uh, Ken said that the tumor was malignant, and there was a good chance that he was going to die. Oh. There's a good chance I'm going to die, so I better go play some cards. Don't say I didn't invite <laughs> you to play cards. <laughs> he told her that he'd need to start treatment right away, but even though he'd need rides to the hospital, he didn't want to bother with all that chemo kerfuffle so she could just wait pregnant in a hot car until she was done. It just sounds like he's in the middle of a Broadway farce, (laughs) and he's constantly making up shitty lies to get himself into humorous circumstances. He is. He is. Yeah, the only thing was, Ken, of course, he didn't have cancer. No! (laughs) So every time Kelly would take him for his treatments, he'd just spend hours wandering around the hospital. Okay, but this is what's so bizarre to me about people who are criminals. It's ironically more difficult to do this. Much more difficult. Yeah. What are you you like, should have just it's, broken it's, up with your wife. Sure. You should break up with your wife and you could go play cards all day long. Mm. Also, what are the nurses thinking when the man is just wandering for four or five hours? The cafeteria. So what are you she, here for? She's saying, oh, I love this French bread pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I like this French bread pizza. It's, uh, this is good. I gave this place five stars on Yelp. I can't quit this place like those two gay cowboys couldn't quit having sex with each other. Sort of and I said that out loud. I'm sitting out loud here in the middle of the hospital cafeteria. For the time traveler there. You know about Brokeback Mountain, which 1977 hadn't come out yet for. Does anybody got any cigarettes? Can I smoke in here? Uh, in, the, in 1977, you could. Here you go. Oh, wow. I'm a doctor. These cigarettes are great for you. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark, because dog can't give you its opinion. But every month, we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled, and then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up, barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order BarkBox for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmi has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys. And she's a murderer. She rips these things up. But, you know, we got some high-quality, tough toys from BarkBox. And she absolutely loves them. And our family could not be happier. <laughs> and if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to BarkBox. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah. Very key. You got to communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. 
And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me, because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does, will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma, blah, blah, blah. When it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank, I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you want to set your child up for success? Yeah. So they can do some work finally for once, right? You sit around, they're just playing with their blocks, with their iPads, not bringing any money into the house. What a sham. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework and you find yourself too dumb to help yourself? It's easy with IXL Learning. It's an online learning program. It's for kids. You'll end up learning stuff yourself because adults don't know anything anymore. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Honestly, I feel like a lot of children could benefit from IXL learning. I think a lot of adults could benefit from IXL learning because learning gets pumped right in your home. They don't have to go to an elementary school like Adam Sandler did and Billy Madison because that is not yet accepted by society. All right. So you make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast on the left, listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash L-E-F-T to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So after uh, he'd wander around for a few hours, he'd return to the car, he'd say he was nauseous, and he used this excuse to skip work as much as he could, but he told Kelly that he could never let anyone at work know that he was sick with cancer because, as Ken said, cancer isn't contagious, but a lot of people think it is. So no, I can't tell people at work nobody. that I can't because they think they're going to catch cancer from me. What is it's- Kelly doing? I just... I she's feel a, so bad for her. She is pregnant in a living hell, having to deal with this manipulative liar on a daily basis. She's a hero. I mean, as far as she, I mean, she left and came back a ton of times. And yeah. as far as she knew, she was just dealing with the guy that, yeah, she loved. Yes, he was very gentle. He treated her. She, he, he treated her pretty good. Well, but fine. He was just, yeah, he treated her fine, but he was just an immature dickhead. Nice. She didn't know that he was lying this whole time. Like, she had no, like, she fell for the cancer thing, hook, line, and sinker. And, you know, it's 1977. You know, now we're in the information age. People talk about this stuff a lot more. We're on Facebook. We have to hear people talk about their chemo treatments constantly. We have to hear (laughs) them talk about their chemo treatment. (laughs) But back back then, you know, these sorts of things are uh, much more, uh, they're a lot more mysterious. You also watch your 
husband go walk in and out of a hospital after several hours to think that he's lying about it would mean then you now know that he is a total psychopath. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, because it's it's true. You're just dealing with. But how many times have you met like somebody's boyfriend, like or a friend of a friend's boyfriend, that's like this guy yeah. that he just shows up and he's like, "Hey, how are you? Hey, buddy, you're good around. You know what? I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm going to airplane school. Yeah, yeah. I'm training to be a pilot. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Don't worry. No, I know it's 11 o'clock at night, but I'm going to airplane school. Yeah, all right, gotta go. Vroom, 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 see you in the skies. Or hope I don't, because technically I'm, I got a D last week, you know what I mean? Uh, all right, I'll see you. <laughs> yeah, it's someone that... I uh, a shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's someone when you're in a relationship with them, like, she was just blinded. And not only that, she's pregnant, too. Right. You know, she's got a child on the way. Uh, if this thing is a lie, then everything is a lie. Uh, and, you know, the capacity for, you know, self-deception and people especially in these sorts of relationships, is astronomically high. But meanwhile, Ken and Angelo's killing spree continued unabated. On the same day that the youngest victims were found, police discovered another victim of the Stranglers, that of 20-year-old Christina Wexler. They found three bodies in one day because Ken and Angelo, they went straight from prostitutes and just said, all right, we're going to fucking do this. We're going to go for the high profile cases. And, you know, and right. when you, you know, Christina Wexler, she was an art student. She actually knew and had rejected Kim Bianchi. It was almost like Bono was like, all right, we're going to kill the girls. And Bianchi was like, yeah, but I also want to kill this woman, too. And it's almost like they traded off on the same night. Like, they almost couldn't decide. They were going to up the ante, but they couldn't decide which one, how they were going to up it. So they just did both. Well, it sounds like they had their picks. So the way Bono, the way Bianchi would talk about him and Bono is that they had open discussion, but eventually just turned into, do you want to go out tonight? And then I think it depended on who, where they ended up. Bianchi had picked this woman out. Yeah. And the same thing, there was going to be a woman that, across, that he lived across the street from that he had picked out to murder. Essentially, they were a pretty girl that immediately read him as a creep and was like, no, you have a wife and a child on the way. I don't want to fuck you. And he was like, oh, now we're going to kill her. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She rejected him. So late one night, Ken knocked on Christina's door. And after a quick, hey, how are you? Remember me? No way. Don't close the door. Ken told her that he had, since the last time he saw her, become a member of the Sheriff's Reserve, and he had been dispatched to let her know that her car had been smashed up down in the parking lot. And in the first of two consecutive actual forced kidnappings, Ken and Angelo shoved her into the car, drove her to the upholstery shop, and committed possibly their most sickening and torturous murder of all. This one was personal. Uh, all the rest of the women, they didn't know. But because Ken knew this woman, because this woman had rejected him, this one got even worse than all the rest. After injecting her with cleaning supplies, Ken tied a bag around her head and filled it with gas from an unconnected pipe, slowly asphyxiating her for an hour and a half before she finally died. Uh, and then we also, of course, Bianchi decides to throw Bono under the bus uh, in his police interview with this quote. Bono suggested that he said, how about just inject an air into her? The air bubble would probably kill her. And I said, oh, you want to try something different? Whatever. Jesus. 
Yeah. Brutal. Yeah, these people are absolute monsters. Uh, this is one of those stories, too. I, 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 I don't like to always scare the listener, but I think that it's important to remember. Sometimes the guy that comes off as a creep, the guy that does that, he's kind of got that weird, like, glint in his eye that seems really threatening, but you don't know why, and you kind of trust your gut, and you just kind of say, like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with that guy. Sometimes there's a reason, Yeah, and oh, sometimes yeah. you should really pay attention to that. Totally. Yeah, you really should trust your instincts on that sort of thing, especially when a guy comes, because that's when this woman first met him he came to her as just a creep the second time he came around he came as an authority figure so watch out for those guys all right watch out for him unless he brings you flowers in which case (laughs) all is forgiven if he throws in chocolates go with him anywhere now the last victim of the november killing spree was lauren wagner found on november 29th now the wagner murder also produced a promising lead a woman named beulah stouffer known as a bit of a busybody in no, the neighborhood we, oh wonder. No, someone named beulah was a bit of a busybody <laughs> she had actually seen an argument between lauren and two men before she was bundled into a large dark sedan screaming you won't get away with this better ignore that <laughs> slowly closes the curtain <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and we've seen busybodies I, I mean son of sam he got caught because of a busybody I'm gonna say that this term busybody shouldn't necessarily be negative. Maybe they're just detective neighbors. The problem is, is that detective neighbors, 95% yes. of the time, are massive pains in did the you, ass. Did you see Tammy put on like seven pounds? I'm not gonna say that she's getting fat, but maybe she's pregnant. I have no idea, but her boyfriend's black. You've been did you ch- notice her boyfriend was black? You've oh. been chaining your bike to the front of the house, and I'm gonna call the police and have mm. them take your bike away. <laughs> no, Beulah described one of the assailants as an older, quote-unquote, Latin-looking gentleman with bushy hair, while the other was taller and younger with acne scars on his neck. Soon after her report, she received a call from a man with an East Coast accent telling her that she was as good as dead if she didn't keep her mouth shut. Which is the same thing they did with the lawyer that tried to take, that took away their first prostitute mm-hmm. from their uh, stable. Hmm. Yeah, but that got him the that got the shit beat out of him by a bunch of hell's angels. It's pretty sweet. Right. Yeah, yeah, but an old lady named Beulah Sofer doesn't have that resource. Yeah. Um, unless she was connected to the Hell's Angels for being their busybody. <laughs> she might have been. Every Hell's Angels needs one busybody oh, to tell them nice. where they saw the police last. <laughs> yes. No, in just three weeks, seven women have been left naked and brutally murdered on the hillsides in Los Angeles. Quite a few, even by Los Angeles standards. Yeah, quite a few by Brazil standards. <laughs> quite a few by Mexican standards. Many All standards. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, well, L.A. at this time, you know, L.A. had seen a lot of serial murder. At what, this uh, point, seven in, in a what was this in one month? No, seven in three weeks. Actually, seven in three weeks. That's a lot. I yeah. wanted to bring this up. Where does this fit in the timeline of Son of Sam, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy? Son of Sam. It's the same year, uh, nineteen seventy-seven. So it's really interesting because you could see them pick up in the police work, even just from because Son of Sam was a really good job. They did a really good job piecing that case together too. Mm-hmm. You could see how it's that sad thing of they're getting good at investigating serial killer crimes by this mm. point. Yeah, they're having to. Uh, they, I mean, this is around, I mean, the late seventies, like the late seventies, this is around the time of Gacy as well. Gacy wasn't quite caught yet. I think Gacy got caught once 78, yes. either 78 or 79. Hmm. Uh, but the late seventies, I mean, it's Man. like in punk I music. Yes. Serial. was on the radio. Oh my God. Wham. Fucking, no. Girls were wearing bras. Dude, it's fucking the Ramones, 
and Gacy. Man, I mean, Sign me up. Oh, welcome back. Cotter was on the air, and everybody had the hairstyle. But you do want, like, what is it? Is it is it because transit has become so much easier? The highway system's improved? I mean, it seems like this the phenomenon of a serial killer is tied with technology. You can't just kill everyone in your village. They're going to get out. They're going to catch on to you. Well, one of the, uh, the theories out there, which actually makes a lot of sense to me, it does have something to do with transit, but it has more to do with pollution. Lead poisoning. Mm. Uh, oh, yes, a, yes. But around this time, you had the switch over from leaded fuel to unleaded fuel. Uh, and a lot of people say that, you know, lead poisoning uh, essentially makes you more violent. It removes uh, a lot of emotions that keeps you from doing these things. Because in the are late... They, are, they, are they licking the damn oil just, pumps like a it's dog? It's literally in the air. It's literally in the air. Mm. It's exhaust. Because right. America in the ni- late 1970s, it wasn't just serial killers. Crime was uh, you can't even imagine how bad crime was in the late 70s all across America. And it was also probably psychic ripples from the MK Ultra experiments. Yeah, I also sort of believe that as I well. I blame the Rolling Stones for their satanic music. <laughs> ah, with their gyrating and their bulges. <laughs> That's why they should have never put uh, Elvis on Ed Sullivan. Look what's happening now. <laughs> no. Oh man, the gin is starting to come through your neck and onto God, your jacket. Don't even worry about the gin. That's just called male sweat. <laughs> <laughs> no, much like the Boston Police Department had to deal with in their own strangler case about a decade before, the LAPD was besieged by people who thought they knew the identity of the strangler. And as in Boston, people were not above suspecting their own spouse. One woman called mm. in saying that she had been woken up at two in the morning with a handkerchief stuffed in her mouth and her husband's hands on her shoulders, shaking her violently. She was having a seizure and he saved her life. <laughs> <laughs> now, the woman, only married to her husband for a couple of months, thought that she had unwittingly married an eight-time killer. But just a few minutes later, the woman called back and said this to the police. It's all right. My husband's not the strangler. He played a tape recording he made before he put the handkerchief in my mouth. I... I, I, I snore. I didn't know it. And he said he put up with it for months. And he said it's like being in the middle of a rock band's amplifier. And I, you know what? I think he's right. He wasn't trying to hurt me. He just couldn't stand it anymore. And I've got an appointment with the nose doctor. And I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Love That's so hard. funny. That's word for word the fucking <laughs> that, voicemail, that too. Word for word the police report. <laughs> oh <laughs> this my poor, goodness. poor woman whose husband just couldn't. I get it. The poor I mean, my, girl, my girlfriend snores like a motherfucker. But you just nudge her. Yeah, I just nudge her. But, but you that's gotta the just thing. hit her with the elbow. But a that's little the bit. thing. That's the thing, though. You nudge her, but you gotta wake up to nudge her. You can't just nudge her in your sleep. You gotta wake yeah. up to nudge her. Yeah. And then after you wake up to nudge her, after the third or fourth time, you're like, I gotta sleep in the. I gotta sleep. I gotta. I gotta show to record. I, I got a lot of research to do tomorrow, <laughs> but I can't do it because she's stirring so much. But I got some earplugs on the way. That's so, good because so good. she's gonna wake up. She's gonna see you in the corner of the bed Don't like your Macho Man Randy Savage with the elbow dropper. I mean, good God. <laughs> well, what you do is you just quickly grab, you grab the butt, right? You slip one hand, and then it's like, oh, I love you, I love you. And then flip her to the side. You just twist <laughs> her to the side. A quick flip. Yeah. Good yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, real quick <laughs> flip. Maybe I could do that. I'll try that next Good, time. try that. She's a real heavy sleeper. That's great. She won't know. <laughs> good, good. Now, a little over two weeks after the Lauren Wagner murder, on December 15th, 
17-year-old Kimberly Martin was dispatched by the Climax Nude Modeling Service to the Tamarin Terrace Apartments in Hollywood. Classy. Yeah, real classy. Also, uh, we, they were trying to say to a couple of the police, uh, what Frank Salerno was saying on one of the documentaries I was watching, is that you notice a lot of spikes in their activity during times when Ken Bianchi's <clears throat> wife was going through really hard times with her pregnancy. Is that apparently during uh. Thanksgiving week, the reason why that activity was so high is that she was so nauseous from the pregnancy that they couldn't have sex. So and when when she needed him most, yes, he was yeah, just yeah. going to play cards. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a lot of working girls in L.A. 1977, Kimberly included, thought they would be relatively safe working with an agency, but no woman of the night would be safe from Bianchi and Bono. When Kimberly arrived, she found a vacant apartment with Bianchi and Bono waiting inside, and then another display of control and contempt mm. after they raped and murdered her. The killers dumped her body on Alvarado Street just with insight of City Hall. Mm. And that is, I mean, that's, a, these guys are starting to form uh, schemes. Like before it was just like, all right, we'll trick her, we'll get into the car. But now it's these big elaborate schemes to see what they can get away with mm. and dumping it right in front of City Hall, even in the middle of the night. Like that is ballsy because right. that's, that's showing control. The control is starting to get larger. They're mm. starting, not only do they want control of the women, now they want control over the city, especially now because after November is when, you know, the news media gets a hold of it, that's when the name The Hillside Strangler comes out, and, and Bianchi is loving it. Right, mm-hmm. it's contempt. They get to really do it. Now, they get to really that's where the Carl Panzram part of their psychic relationship comes out, where they're like, now we're gonna take control of this whole city, and we're gonna make everybody scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was more Bianchi than Bono that really wanted this but stuff. It's very interesting, because I think a lot of the times because we're you're gonna, in their relationship... Bianchi would just say, you want to go out tonight? And Bono would say, yes. It's like, what is Bono doing? It's like, it's so weird. It's like he's got nothing better to do except for there's a two-month, after this murder, there's a two-month period where they don't work, they don't do any kills at all until February, and apparently it was because Bono's mother was sick, which is this fucked up Italian thing that's just like, kind of like in Goodfellas and these mobster shit, where it's like he does all this fucked up shit all day long. He's a serial killer. He's raping and murdering girls, but he's got to go sit with his fucking mother and hold her hands when she's dying in fucking bed. Yeah, the mother that Mm. he refers to every day as the cunt. It's fucking, what is even, yeah, what's, who are you? I'm going to say that I like his mom. Yeah, because she at least saved how many women <laughs> just by getting sick? Literally getting sick. 16. Took they one for the team. 16 women in those two months yeah. uh, had his mother not become sick. And you do wonder if it's one of those bizarre situations. Had she not become sick, who would have died? Yeah. And it's also it could possibly be that it coincided that maybe Kelly's pregnancy went all right for those two months. Yeah. Because that Bianchi didn't go out on his, as far as we know. He could kill, but the uh, disposal of the bodies on the hillsides, that took two people. Oh, yeah. He couldn't dispose of the bodies himself. He so also didn't have the guts. He just was a he was just a piece of shit. I don't know. I don't think I think he probably killed during this time. I think he probably murdered at least a couple of women, uh, but he just 
left them where they lay. Like, I don't think he actually disposed of the bodies in the same way because that's what it was, that Bianca, or Bono was the brains behind the operation. But it seemed like mm. they really worked as a team. I don't know if he would kill on his own at all. I he think did. That, Eventually, he did kill on well, his own. Well, it's because he got so desperate. Now, back to the Tamarind department murders. Now, while you would think a murder with this many moving parts would produce more clues, when police checked phone records, they found the call had been made from a public library. And the only clue that the cops had was a report of a man with bushy hair harassing women in the library the evening of the call, a description that matched that of Lauren Wagner's abductor. They also, I, there is a transcript of the call in this book I'm reading right now called Serial Killers Up Close and Personal and one of the, the bits he did, it's, it, there's a, str- he struggles to come up with a fake name because he calls the service yeah. and he, they're like, uh, they're like, so where are you going to go? It's just like, we're going to meet you here. And they're like, is this phone number a pay phone? Is this a pay phone number? And he's like, no, it's my apartment. Can't you hear the television? And it was just people talking in the background. And they're like, okay, well, what's your name? And he's like, um, do I have to give a name? And they're like, yeah, you have to give a name. Absolutely. You have to at least give some some sort of name. Because he's like, all right, you sure I have to give a name? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you got to give a name. And he's like, um, uh, uh, Michael, <laughs> Ryan? Mm. And his name, he gave the fake name Michael Ryan, but literally it took him just being like, first of all, it's two first names in one only. <laughs> but that's which I actually hate. not too bad. Michael Ryan. I was thinking like, Lobert Yellowfinger. <laughs> My name is uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch. I don't. Uh, <laughs> John. Travolta. <laughs> oh, John oh, Travolta! Oh, John Travolta. Oh, oh, me. It's the real. It's the real John Travolta. Oh, wow! <laughs> now, bereft of leads, the cops started canvassing the entire building where the girl had originally been sent to by her agency, and who should they find but a very helpful, nice young man named Kenneth Bianchi. The cops would later say that they were suspicious of almost every other man they encountered in that building except Mm. Ken Bianchi, who is sympathetic to the plight of the police, how much work they they had put into the case, and ensured them that had he been there that night and had he heard screams, you better believe he would have done something. Also, he had participated in a ride-around program with the police around this time. It's like what they were trying to do is because the police were being named in all of these serial killer attempts and women were afraid to be uh, pulled over by cops. They weren't stopping because they, they heard the serial killer may be a cop. And so they were doing these ride-along programs. And Ken Bianchi went on one of the ride-alongs and asked all these questions about the Hillside Strangler. And it's right. like, again, like a Kemper doing the same thing, butting up with the cops, and they just fucking bought right. it. They're like, there's no way a bushy-haired man with a full mustache like that would ever defy the police. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why cops are much meaner now than they used to be. They have to be. Oh, kind yeah. Of. Well, because that- especially if you want to be a cop's friend, nothing to me is more suspicious than a guy going up to a guy who's dressed as a cop in a bar just going like, hey, that's how those murders going. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the only woman that we know of to survive an encounter with the Hillside Stranglers was a woman named Catherine Laurie. Attempting to bring back their police with badges ruse one more time, the two stopped Catherine, quote-unquote, arrested her, and shoved her in the back of their car. But when they checked Catherine's possessions, they found a picture of her sitting on the lap of famed movie actor Peter Lorre, who played child murderer Hans Beckert in the infamous Fritz Lang serial killer movie 
M among many other wonderful roles. Check out M. It's a beautiful movie. Okay. Don't you worry, my little girl. We'll take these pictures together. And one day, a serial killer won't kill you on my account. I don't mean to make you frighten, my daughter. It was I, your father, Peter Laurie. He did save her life. He did. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. By being professionally creepy. Yeah, yeah. by being, yeah. Luckily for Catherine, who was in fact Peter Laurie's daughter, Bianchi and Bono were big Casablanca fans. That was like it's the amazing. time I got I got pulled over for jaywalking in Glendale, which is true. And the guy was just like, so what do you do? That was like, uh, it's like, you know, the guy was filling out the ticket. He's like, so what do you do uh, as a job? I was like, I'm an actor. He's like, oh, what show are you working on? I was like, I'm on a show called A to Z. And he's just like, my wife loves A to Z. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> That's amazing. You wonder if Bianchi and Bono were just like, man, I love L.A. You know, sometimes it's like being a serial killer anywhere else, you just don't get the stars that you get here. Businessmen next to con and next to movie stars. Hollywood is the wow. blood of America. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, they just let her go without incident. And it wasn't until uh, they were caught, Bianchi and Bono were caught, uh, that she and she saw their pictures on the news that she oh came forward. God. And she actually testified in their trial uh, because she was one of the only survivors of this whole thing. And it was creepy enough where it stuck in her head. She I'm remembered sure. it. Yeah. It stuck in her head. She saw. It. She knew as soon as they put the handcuffs on her, it was like, Oh, this isn't real. This, oh, I fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Oh, man, so bad. Cindy Hudspeth, on the other hand, would not be so lucky. Killed on February 16th, 1978, Cindy's body was found stuffed in the trunk of her own car, which was found halfway down a cliff off the Crest Highway. And now, while I don't know this for sure, because the timelines are a little muddled, Cindy mm. was killed either the day of or soon before the birth of Kim Bianchi's only son, because the birth had been difficult. And Ken, he had been ordered to leave the delivery room. I guess I gotta go play cards. Gotta go. Yeah. He went back to Angelo's upholstery shop where Cindy Hudspeth was picking out a new interior for her car. And as far as I can tell, they overpowered her, raped her, murdered her, dumped her body, and then Ken returned to the hospital to hold his newborn son for the first time. And now, is this the same hospital that he would just pace for four or five hours at I a time? I hope not. I wonder, yeah, because eventually they'd be like, hey, hey aren't you weren't the- you supposed to die of cancer? Like <laughs> months ago. <laughs> but apparently this murder, this is the murder that led to them breaking up. And the reason why this is, that was put in there, and it sees the, the weird the uneven power dynamic between Bianchi and Buono is that she walked into that upholstery shop. She saw Cindy and Kenny in the middle while Buono is like running a line in her, but he's also doing business. He pulls Buono aside. And he's like, let's do her right now. And he's just like, you're being fucking crazy. Don't do it. No, we're not doing this right now. Ken took her by the neck, like literally went and grabbed her ahead of Buono and threw her into the office and said, like, you know, be calm. Nothing's going to happen to you. And then Buono, like, then jumps in. But afterwards, literally, Buono was like, you're fucking crazy. You're doing this bad. We're do- just like, you don't know how to do this anymore. We're done. And then they broke up. Huh. Yeah. Look at that. And the Hillside Strangler murders stopped as suddenly as they started, and it would be a year and a half before anyone would have any questions answered about these murders, which wow. we'll get to on episode three. They kind of they kind of broke up like Motley Crue. Nick Nikki Six 
and uh, and uh, what's the name of the drummer? Uh, that would be Tommy, Tommy Lee. Yeah, Tommy Lee's his ego got big. Yeah, <laughs> big with, as his, his dog with his rotating fucking drum yes. set. He can't even sit in it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Vince Neil says I'm the lead singer. I'm supposed to be the hot one. You're the drummer. Get in line. Oh, but Vince Neil got fat quick. Yeah. Oh, so fat. His sex tape was pathetic. Ugh. Oh, I forgot he had a sex tape. He's just tape. bouncing on the bed. It's worse than Hogan's. The oh. only one that was Tommy Lee was good at it. Tommy oh, Lee's sex, sex tape. tape. Oh man, first Tommy celebrity Lee, sex tape. Tom Lee, Tommy Lee's sex tape was uh, the first clip that I ever downloaded from the internet. The first video. Really? Oh clip. yeah, yeah, I yeah. Saw yeah. That, Pamela yeah. Anderson uh, gave him a blowy on a boat. You know also, the first thing you downloaded from the internet wasn't Rosetta Stone to learn in a foreign language. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought it was, it was, it was porno. <laughs> Interesting internet. Yeah, I mean this was uh, 1996, 1997. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took about 12 hours. Also, Tila Tequila was really born for the sex tape. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know what? People talk shit about her, but Kim Kardashian's was you know just all right with me. Yeah. Yes, I thought you were gonna say Tila Tequila. You can talk shit about Tila Tequila. She's a neo-Nazi. Well, you know, she's got a lot of different ideas. <laughs> she has. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, wow. Uh, so that's the end of the murder spree for the Hillside Stranglers. Terrible human beings. But I guess we have the birth of a child. Yeah. Uh, I see. So life, life is new. Sean. That Sean, was, that his was name his is Sean. His name is Sean. And I'm sure Sean Hillside life, Strangler. Yeah, I'm sure his life is great yeah, right now. Sean Boyd. I think he probably took his mother's name. I would assume. I hope he changed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean Bianchi is a terrible name. Ugh. That's not that bad, actually. <laughs> no, if you're sh- if you're a motocross uh, performer, <laughs> but uh, not if you're the son of a serial killer yeah. who would now be only what thirty around our age, thirty seven or so. Yeah, he'd be he'd be my brother's age. Yeah, born wow. in 1978. Let's find him. <laughs> Probably could. Yeah. Facebook. On, I know yeah. he's on. He's got to be. He'd be an Aquarius. Well. Wow. Weird. Weird to think about the children of these people. It As really a matter is. of fact, I mean, I would, I would love to uh, interview some of them at some point. Well, there's a great interview with BTK's daughter. Yeah. It's very, very sad. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. extremely sad, yeah. And I don't think they would like our jokes at all. No, if we did interview them, we would have to do very Charlie Rose, very straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like... Do you Don't, rape? Henry, Henry, no. Okay. All right. Interview's <laughs> over. He hung up. Um, all right. You fucked up on the first I don't know how do it. Do, does he rape Henry? I told, you, I told you don't say the R word. I'm no Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> um, all right. Hillside Stranglers 2, Hillside Stranglers 3 coming up. Thank you guys so much uh, for everything. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a ton of shows uh, coming up. June. We've got Atlanta coming up on June 16th. 18th. 18th. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> we're bad with these dates. Yeah, we're bad. It's the 18th. It's a it's a Saturday. Yes. Uh, we're going to be doing the Earl. Uh, Google the Earl. Uh, go to their website uh, to buy tickets for that one. Uh, then after that, we've got Washington D.C. That mm. show has just been announced. We got Washington D.C. We're doing a classy show. We're doing the Candy Center. I know. Do they know what we do? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, tickets should be on sale for that soon. Go join our Facebook group uh, to, for announcements on that. And of course, if you're a part of a uh, page, uh, our page. If you're a Patreon supporter, you get first crack at every single ticket for every single show yes. before we announce it to everybody else. We always give it to our Patreon supporters first. And if you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. You guys have been so fucking great uh, yes. supporting us on all of that. Uh, we just changed up our $10. Uh, what happens with our $10 Patreon subscribers? Uh, we went ahead and opened up our live shows back up to the public because we don't, re- don't want to keep you guys from seeing 
all this great fucking content. Like the live shows that should be for everyone. But now, if you become a $10 or up subscriber, you get ad-free episodes. But you also miss my sexy Adam and Eve Yeah, people ads. like the ads. They lo- Well, they love the Adam and Eve ads. All <laughs> right. And thank you guys for supporting everything we do here at CCR. Page 7 for all your entertainment needs. Top Hat for Politics Roundtable to hang out with your drunken, weird friends. And um, Section of the Human Activities. And the Lucky Bone Show. Yeah, Lucky Bone Show. Mixcloud.com slash Marcus Parks. And another live show uh, that we can just an- we oh, can yeah. announce right now. We just uh, announced a second London show. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, the Wednesday show is almost uh, sold out. And I know Wednesday is a hard time for people to travel in from other areas. Thursday is a lot easier for people to come to. So if you've been Get your blimey ass, didn't it? That's not even close. Get yourself right down there and you'll take yourself an umbrella and get down to the fucking space. Is that English? Sure. <laughs> I can't wait to get our asses beat in the fucking UK. <laughs> yeah, and we might be coming to Wales as well. Uh, it, let us know uh, if you guys are interested in uh, us doing a show in Wales. Email yeah. us at cavecomedyradio.com, uh, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com, or uh, tweet at us at LP on the left and let us know. And we're also maybe thinking about doing... Scandinavia show. If you want us to come to Scandinavia, please yeah. let us know where we should go. Number one, yeah, uh, yes. and uh, please get hit hit us with it. Yeah, should it be Norway? Should it be Sweden? Should it be Finland? Yep. Uh, I don't think it should be Finland. Actually, what about Denmark? But, oh yeah, De- is Denmark? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, now we're just naming countries. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's again, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. Uh, tweet us at LP on the left or go on our Facebook uh, and tag us if you guys are, would be interested in coming to some of those shows. And of what? course, if you want a uh, your last podcast on the left t shirt, uh, go to cavecomedyradio.com slash merch and you can get your very own shirt for. 25 bucks or if you're yep. a Patreon supporter you get it for a $20 a month subscription. And and follow us on the social media. Uh, Henry's at Dr. Fantasty on, on Instagram. <laughs> yep, and Henry loves you on Twitter. Yes, and at LP on the left is our own personal Instagram. Yes. And uh, Marcus Parks is Marcus Parks for both of those. I'm at Ben Kissel on Twitter and Ben Kissel one on Instagram. I made a mistake yesterday uh, while working at Fox News. I retweeted a bunch of pictures that were posted of the last podcast uh, from some fans that had posted pictures. They all went to the Red Eye page. Oh. So uh, for about 30 minutes, if you if you followed uh, Red Eye on Twitter, you saw me uh, with a bunch of people uh, saying Hail Satan and things like that. So that was just a bit. That's going to get picked up on Mediaite. So no. that'll be great. No, it's just a goof. Just, just a goof. A goof. Yeah, yes. that's, that's only a goof. Yeah, that's a goof. If you would have posted a vagina, then that would definitely have gotten yeah, picked up. Yeah, if you had said yeah. your bulge, yes, <laughs> like Anthony Weiner, yeah. if you had done that. Which, by the way, I watched that Weiner doc. Highly recommend it really if you want to watch the the complete destruction of an American family. Two things to shout out. I'm going to say check out show pieces on demand. It's Alan Moore's new like it's a it's a series of vignettes that he wrote. It's very good. But if you if I understand people have problems with Alan Moore, but he's it's you know I was real high, and I really enjoyed myself. Good, good. Um, also, uh, shout out to Flossie A.V. for these beautiful uh, cross stitches that she made of mustelation, and, and there's bones in the chocolate. We're oh, gonna put a so picture great. of it. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. That's a lot of work that you put into that. Yes. And I, them. Yeah, Thank I love you them so too. Much. Thank you so much, Flossie. It's fucking amazing. Hang on. Thank you. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Gain. Hail me if you got a time. I'm gonna go slashing. Go slashing. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.